my son had a gift with technology. With reliable internet at home through the Internet Essentials Program, the world opened up. He's part of this next generation of young people who feel they can thrive. Through Project Up, Comcast is committing $1 billion to help open doors for the next generation with the connectivity and skills they need to build a future of unlimited possibilities. Welcome back to Feels Like Weezer, where we're discussing track by track, song by song, all of Weezer's catalog from Blue Album to Fan Weezer uh, in, in chronological order. Uh, I'm Eric Nash from Almost Famous Minute. And my name is Martin David Tapia. I'm a musician and amateur songwriter. And today we have Peter Cook. No relation to unofficial fifth member of Weezer, Carl Cook. And I have a podcast with some friends of mine called I'd Buy That for a Dollar, where we discuss inexpensive, common, and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Those are LPs or vinyl, as the kids say. Oh, you, oh you're even more exclusive to, yeah, the vinyl. Wow. Vinyls. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, yeah, I was I was definitely picturing in my mind though the the uh, massive amount of it seems like CDs these days that are really inexpensive. Yeah, especially That's, compared it, to yeah vinyl. CDs no. would really fit the criteria of our show nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to be a RoboCop podcast, and I got excited for a second. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a reference to that. But you know what? Sure. Um, uh, vinyls are cool too. They're probably cooler than robocop which one do you think is cooler <laughs> which one do you think would win in a fight a, a record or a robocop uh if it's the 1987 robocop whew, that's a tough one <laughs> that one might might win he can he can mess some stuff up i guess it depends on how you look at it because like a record is just a record like if it sits there on the floor and a robocop shoots at it then it's that record's dead but like the idea like the music on the record like the idea like robocop can't kill all the music he's not that powerful right (laughs) no you're right so all lps against robocop might win (laughs) all music against robocop (laughs) i want to see that movie robocop versus the music (laughs) your move creep (laughs) (laughs) Okay, uh, so what are we? What song are we talking about today, Eric? Yeah, we're talking about the other way, the uh, tenth track.
Yeah, so that was a little snippet of the other way, and uh, let's throw to uh, uh, Peter. I mean, you 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 kind of seem to to really you you kind of like asked for this song. Is that correct? I did. I specifically yeah. wanted to come on and talk about this song. On the surface, I feel like this song seems like a kindred spirit to some other Weezer songs, like maybe Why Bother off of Pinkerton, that notion of being afraid of getting into a relationship mm. because of the fear of getting hurt. But it's a lot more complicated <laughs> than that. And then I realized I really got myself into a heavy episode by wanting to do this song <laughs> and talk about it. It's going to get uh, dark. So, yeah. So this song was written by Rivers Cuomo for his ex-girlfriend, Jennifer Chiba, after the death of her partner in 2003. And her partner was singer-songwriter Elliot Smith. Yeah. And and I'm, I'm curious, I'm curious. So, so I mean, you, you certainly, you know, understood and, you know, are, were aware of who that, who that is, Elliot Smith. I mean, he's not, he's certainly not a nobody or anything in the music world. And, uh, um, but I'm curious about Martin though, my, my good old co-host here. <laughs> yeah. Do, do I don't know? know. I don't, I don't know a ton about Elliot Smith. I listened to, I have listened to some. Okay. okay. Well, yeah, we're about the same then probably. Yeah, I, 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 own, a... I own one album. Okay. That, I think that's See. about what I own. And I had like a, girlfriend like 15 years ago that was super oh. into Elliot Smith oh. and so like I listened to him for like for her sake to like try to get on that same page and uh <laughs> I'm sad to say I hope there aren't too many Elliot Smith fans <laughs> because I know they you know they are they are yeah. uh usually around and very uh excited about <laughs> yeah Elliot Smith but like I'm not I'm not a huge fan. I think I think he's he's good. I like the tunes. Yeah, that right. it, yeah. But I'm not like super super into him. How about you, Peter? What's your Elliot Smith level? I wasn't really familiar with him before he died. Yeah. He had done some of the songs in Goodwill right. Hunting, that movie. Um, I became aware of him because I was on message boards back in 2003, okay. like Frank Black message boards and stuff <laughs> like that. And his death really shook a lot of yeah. people. Uh, so I checked out some of his songs at the time, like Between the Bars. I guess I was familiar with his cover of the Beatles because yeah. that was on the American Beauty soundtrack a few years prior to that. Um, but I wasn't super familiar with him. And I can't say that I've ever gotten really into him. Um, my wife, Ellen, she's a huge Elliott Smith fan. Uh, you know, Musicians I've played music with were really influenced by him. Um, and, and I think he's great. Um, I just, for some reason, have, in his particular case, maybe it's partially because I know his story and how it ends, I find it hard, it's hard for me to go there often <laughs> into that place. Um, but he's had a huge influence on the younger generation of upcoming indie rock. Yeah, yeah, I'd imagine so. I mean, it's, uh, I don't know, like, like what, like Death Cab for Cutie, maybe, something like that, or... Even even some more recent stuff. More even more recent. Yeah, I'd say more like girl pool uh, and, and groups like that, like more okay. recent. I'd say Death Cab are more like contemporary. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so Rivers said 
said, I'll just read the quote from him that he wrote, I wrote that song for Jennifer Chiba after Elliot died and I wanted to console her, but I was confused and skeptical about my own motives for wanting to do so. So I wrote that song about that. And when you frame it like that, <laughs> you kind of get into the complication that much of Rivers lyrics <laughs> and subjects get into like, uh, I, I feel like, you know, is this, you know, he, he wants to be comforting, but his own motives, I guess it's it's important to kind of know their history, he and, and Jennifer. I don't know how much either of you know about their relationship, Rivers and Jennifer. Well, I mean, my, my take uh, was that it was just kind of, it sounded like it was pretty kind of on again, off again. And, and, and back in their earlier, earlier days, you know, the, the when Weezer kind of itself in the sense was first forming, I mean, you know, it's because it, they did have the, you know, the previous like band, band or two in a sense, but like at least, at least, at least the one like, you know, with Pat, you know, Pat and Rivers were, were the main mm. core. <laughs> um, it seemed like, yeah. And it, she was there at the start and it was, it was just this relationship where seemingly from his side, it was, you know, he, he, he was kind of not wanting to kind of commit because he just thought yeah. something else better, something better might come along. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a really crappy way to treat someone if if you're, yeah. if you're really you know even want to just just to con- consider them a friend <laughs> to treat them that way is is pretty sucky yeah yeah she was 3 years older than oh, okay. rivers wow. and she was th- this is significant she was the first half japanese woman uh-huh. that he yeah. met and we know yeah. That's a thing as Weezer fans. Um, and she also kind of groomed him. She got him into bands like Sebado and the oh, Flaming Lips, yeah. you know, because we know that his sensibilities, he, he cut his teeth on metal and whatnot. It wasn't until he moved it across the country from Connecticut to LA that he started actually hearing cool music, quote unquote. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she was one of the people that helped foster that in so, him. So- she also convinced him to. Oh, go ahead. So, so music more like OK Human versus Van Weezer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's that exactly. dichotomy right there. That's... Yeah, yeah. Her, her, what she influenced would be more the OK Human yeah. side than the, the Van Weezer side <laughs> of things. Um, she convinced him to cut his hair short oh, yeah. as well. You know, and before that, he Ooh. wouldn't have thought of touching his hair. So, she's like, oh, you'll be a lot cuter. So she was kind of like the uh, Astrid Kutchner. Or, no, what? Kutchner. Why did I say Kutchner? Um, damn it. Um, uh, Stu, Stu Sutcliffe's uh, girlfriend for the Beatles. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I know exactly yeah. who you're talking about. She, yeah. she gave them their, their bowl cuts. <laughs> yeah, yep. So, you know, stylizing, more presentable. Um, and yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, she was, Jennifer Chiba was basically Weezer formed Valentine's Day 1992. They first started becoming a thing right around that same time, uh, Jennifer and Rivers. And the, I see most accounts say that the relationship was 92 to 95 on and off. Some claims, there's some claims that it went on longer than that. Um, but yeah, he never fully committed. And like you said, it, part of it was he thought, you know, if he became a rock star, he'd have better options, more options for dating. Um, it goes, I think it goes a little deeper than that, though. Um, I don't know if you, if either of you have heard the Blue Album Battle podcast. Uh, no, what is this? It sounds familiar. I don't know that I've actually checked it out yet. 
but I think I've... it's it's well, yeah one of the one of the many uh, blue uh, Weezer podcasts out there. Uh, it's connected to another Weezer podcast. Offhand, it escapes me which what the other one is offhand, but uh, sometime in the last year they had Jason Cropper on oh, wow. there, and he talked about every song. You know, the original uh, rhythm guitarist yeah. of Weezer, um, and they asked him about every song on there to kind of break things down, including. No one else, uh-huh. which a song that I know when you guys covered that, it was one of your early episodes, obviously. It's the second song on the Blue album. Uh, that's come under a lot of scrutiny, you know, in more recent years because of the sexism in it. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. So they asked him point blank about that. Jason had a very, you know, well thought out response that, you know, that song does not work, you know, in hashtag me yeah. too, uh-huh. that yeah. era. But he said, that he feels as though the way it's perceived now probably wasn't so much River's intention so much as he was probably putting on his armor because, you know, he had his small town sensibilities of having grown up in Connecticut, moved out to L.A. and was had culture shock by the more advanced dating techniques of L.A. women <laughs> and it had his little small town heart broken a number of times. And I, I think by the time uh jennifer came along uh his willingness to commit uh had definitely changed by that point and so it's it's probably a combination of of things going on with you know rivers on the verge of perceived rock stardom and uh just living in a whole new culture that uh, would have kept him from committing to yeah. Jennifer. They, yeah. he, a lot of the songs are about her. Uh, do you, are either of you familiar with the early Rivers song, Hot Tub? Ooh. No, I don't think so. So that was uh, demoed in 93. He recently reused the bridge melody from the original demo on the song Screens on OK Human mm-hmm. for the, the chorus. So he's always recycling yeah, right. old yeah. stuff. Um, allegedly... He he wrote this song hoping that Tom Jones would perform it. Um, there, I don't know if that's true, but it starts really funky. The, the beginning of the song is really funky, and it's lyrically it's kind of hedonistic, talking about drugs, alcohol, and sex. It's kind of almost like he's making a booty call ultimatum, but then eventually he switches to regrets of this approach and how it doesn't allow him to connect with anyone. It's kind of almost confessional in a Kanye West sort of way. <laughs> and uh, apparently it was Ch- Jennifer Chiba had a hot tub in the courtyard at her apartment complex in Palms. And that's kind of the origin of hot tub. Um, no other one off Pinkerton is also said to be about her. Uh, Maria character from Songs from the Black Hole is based on her. I don't know how much you guys have talked about Songs from the Black Hole, the abandoned rock opera from Pinkerton time. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know, I think Zach was a bit more aware of it and, and has probably listened to it, I think, but I don't know that I, or, mm-hmm. you know, listen to at least what, what it was supposed to roughly sound what, up, sound like from a, yeah. Yeah. What's available. Yeah, um, various demos. I know he, he also chose the cover for Pinkerton because it was on a postcard yeah. that Jennifer sent him. Um, it goes on and on as far as like there's a a lot of people speculate what songs are about her and what are i know i'll think about you from the uh alone to rivers demos was definitely about her because he explicitly stated that in uh-huh. the liner notes but uh you can certainly say that the other way is a, 
about her because it, it's that's uh, that information is definitely out there. Uh, obviously, it's about much later on in their lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I mean that 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 was, that was my first indication and, and kind of just uh, looking up looking at this out, uh, uh, song and and uh, trying to understand it a little bit better and listening to it some more and more and then and digging in a little bit more. I mean, like some of the first indications were. Yeah, I mean, okay, so they were they were at, at at the point that he's writing this, it is they were exes and it was post Elliot Smith's death even. And and it's just a, a thing that, you know, him you know, not not necessarily comforting her, but you know, just just kind of trying to get his emotions out about how he felt about it, it being in a situation yeah. where his ex had her current <laughs> at the time, uh, 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 partner, uh, die, um, and die and die yeah. in a really awful, awful way. I mean, if it, if it really is, you know, so that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. I mean, Martin, I don't know if you're, you're, you're very aware. I think Peter and I were kind of talking in the green room a little bit right before we started. Um, but, um, uh, so there, there is kind of like, uh, this weird weirdness kind of a la Nirvana, Kurt Cobain, Courtney Love, um, kind of, uh, stuff out there unfortunately uh about possible her involvement that's true Um, some conspiracy theories because elliot smith stabbed himself in the heart and killed himself that way right okay yeah i wasn't aware of that part yeah wow yeah Mm. yeah and there's speculation that she was behind it Um, yeah because so there's that whole other layer yeah it's an unusual way uh, people don't usually stab themselves in the heart when they commit mm-hmm. suicide. It's like not a, a normal, a normal thing. But yeah, um, it's definitely like a, a, tra- a tragic story. Um, but yeah, and it's sad that uh, we have these things like um, Courtney Love, like whatever you think of her, like. <laughs> It seems like didn't kill Kurt Cobain. It's mm-hmm. like it seems like a sort of a this uh, misogynist thing that comes up, and you uh, can't even. Yeah, I feel like you can't yeah. even mention Courtney Love without in like a conversation. <laughs> sometimes, I guess, especially maybe this is like an online problem more than like a actual yeah. like hanging out with friends problem. But you can't mention Courtney Love without somebody being like, you know what a b word or whatever like she murdered her you know kurt cobain we could have had like 10 more never minds if it weren't for her mm-hmm. you know and i think that's kind of sad uh yeah. yeah that people have that um yeah that kind of thinking and that goes for jennifer chiba too that's why i draw that comparison mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah absolutely and i don't know if at the time that rivers wrote this if that was something that was out there at that time, or I don't know at what point the conspiracy started. So I don't know if he would, yeah. there would have been that added layer of trying to comfort her, not only just the, the death of her partner, but then taking the blame for it. That That's a lot. And, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty heavy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is, it's interesting as you were uh, saying, Eric, like would this song actually be comforting no, yeah, right. <laughs> this like, okay. like he wrote a song about how he couldn't find a way to comfort her because he questioned his own motives in doing so, which I suppose I can understand someone that you had a long term on off relationship with. Um, but I think a, 
you know, it's so you, it gets into that Rivers Cuomo <laughs> territory. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, that, he, he's kind of a warts and all guy, yeah. which for the better or worse sometimes. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like we've been saying this recently on the Latinus ladder, roughly half of Make Believe, maybe of of him. You know, seemingly with these, with some, with at least I think at least one of the one of the other songs here recently, um, most most Pinkerton ish like, you know, um, <laughs> and yeah, I mean it, it's you know I, I you know it'll be interesting. I mean I hope I hope we can get more further away from it. I mean I love the music of Pinkerton as I said before, but uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I certainly understand and 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 do. Do have a little cringiness when it comes to uh, listening to it any any time recently. <laughs> yeah, as after, the after discography goes year. on, as yeah. we keep going through Red, we're gonna hit a little more cringiness. But then, like, yeah, uh, you know, farther in the future, once we get a few al- <laughs> a few albums from now, it kind of dies down a little more. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, by by uh, Pacific Dr- by Pacific Daydream, he deliberately made it a point to never say girl on that album wow. he says woman uh-huh. every time uh-huh. so he's he's definitely made efforts to mature as a lyricist in more recent years then sometimes you still get something that just doesn't land at all and feels awkward yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah i i agree that i honestly feel like this album when this originally released in 2005 i remember the lyrics on this album really just a lot of them striking me as odd and awkward that's um, yeah 100 percent. i would agree <laughs> i think i might have been trying to say this the you know in the past episodes the recent episodes but yeah go, go on yeah well i was playing in a weezer inspired band oh. at the time that it came out it was the group was called edward and uh we were working on uh our album at the time that it came out and uh it was largely reviled by our main singer and songwriter mm-hmm. you know who was a devout weezer fan but classic weezer fan mm-hmm. and that you know everything had done post pinkerton at the time was crap uh, but this song and it, it, this guy's uh this the singer's songwriter's name was uh abe hovey he he now goes by the name abe abraham funny enough he he ended up moving out to denver and getting involved with the crowd that became the Lumineers. Oh, um, wow. So the Lumineers have recorded songs of his. Well, Zach would be really <laughs> interested in that. He will. Yeah. If he doesn't yeah, Where the that. Skies Are Blue. That's yeah. uh, that's uh, my old cool. bandmate, Abe. Um, but he pointed to this song, uh, particularly the chorus and the harmonies. He really liked this song the other way. And I don't think we had any context of the what the song was about at the time. But, mm-hmm. and it... I don't know if him pointing that out, I really respected him as a songwriter and his opinions. And because uh, you know, we were having to deal with the single having been Beverly Hills, which just seemed abysmal <laughs> at the time. So we're, we're, I don't know how you guys feel about that one. Um, but it, it, it just at the time, that one wasn't very promising for the rest of the album. So we were, we're looking for what we could find. And, and this song uh, definitely stood out as one of the stronger songs. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. 
Get in, loser. Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. New customers bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Twenty-one plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. Ten dollars first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable. Bonus vest that expires seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com/sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred Gambler. Well, I think we like Beverly Hills here, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I was even looking but at I my definitely, ratings. Yeah. yeah, it's like, yeah, you know. It's not the think, worst of the album, in my opinion. Yeah, I think <laughs> with hindsight, <laughs> with hindsight though, it's kind of a different story. Yeah. Like, I can, um, I actually was, like, not as aware of Weezer at the time that Make Believe came out. I had, like, yeah, right. been super into yeah. them, like, with the, you know, uh, the Blue Album, Pinkerton or whatever, and then... Uh, a little bit more with Green Album and Maladroit, and then I kind of uh, uh, dropped off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, I think I wasn't paying attention to popular music when uh, Beverly Hills came out, and uh, it just wasn't on my radar. But now, you know, like I said, with hindsight, I think it's a really great song, and I think it's a, a lot easier. It goes down a lot easier, you know, at you know, in uh, 2021, for me at least. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I don't know if I've actually listened to it in a decade wow. or more. <laughs> so I maybe I'm due to reassess it. <laughs> I just knew how I felt about it at the time. I think it's a super but... fun song. But I can mm-hmm. understand. It's like, yeah, it's kind of corny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's for I think that that for a lot of uh, younger generation, that was probably, I know people that say that was the yep. first song of Weezer's they remember uh-huh. that they weren't around for the blue album. Yeah. And make believe was like a, a huge seller, right? Because like on the merits of, uh, of Beverly Hills. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. I think until Africa became a hit, that was like their biggest hit since the nineties. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, Island in the sun may have been up there too. I, I, don't know the chart numbers but <laughs> yeah um yeah this this one um the, the what the songs the lyrics are stronger than if you were just hearing like a rehash of like you said like a pinkerton type of, of thing like like a why bother or something like that um just knowing how personal the lyrics are i feel like it stands out more yeah, and I th- I would say that even without knowing the backstory, I feel like the lyrics of this song are stronger than most of the rest of Make Believe. Like for me, they uh, 
it's all like all, all subjective or whatever right but like they hit like this they all make sense to me i can relate to them like uh independently of the like the tragic story of uh mm-hmm. of jennifer chiba and uh, elliot smith's death or whatever so i think yeah I think like before I knew the story, I was already like, oh, yeah, this like these lyrics are cool. I can relate. And like if you don't know the story, it just kind of seems like a song about like uh, wanting to get close to somebody and like not really knowing how to do that. And uh, right. Just like um, yeah, being a little bit shy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of going it's kind of the root of what I think a lot of people identified with in rivers lyrics, that confessional honest part that I think a lot of people connected to in the first couple albums, the songs that are a little more vulnerable. Yeah. And I think just like the idea of like looking the other way is kind of like a good, um, is that a metaphor? What it's just like a, yeah, it works for me. Just as like a, yeah. an action and then like a representing like, a, you know, a being shy or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it actually it's more noble in that context than the idea of, well, I'm just not going to do anything about to comfort you. <laughs> yeah, as a song of comfort. I, yeah, I think you're right. It doesn't exactly hit <laughs> in that way. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think you're. Classic I think rivers. you're right about the uh, the music. I think yeah, it's like a really cool melody. Uh, the harmonies, I was really digging. I was just listening to it like right before we started recording, and I was like, wow, these harmonies, uh, the vocal harmonies are very cool. Um, yeah, 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 and it has a. Uh, I don't know if we we want to get into instrumentation at all at this point. Uh, I think yeah. we do. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, there's there's an, an added ingredient to this that I think would be new for Weezer at the time. I don't think they had featured this instrument on a song. Before. Yeah. Now I I saw this in in the in in the Weezerpedia, and I, I was like, so I went back and listened to it like a couple times, and I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm, I mean, it's it's just it's just buried deep in the mix, I guess. I don't know. I, I mean, can, I could not yeah, hear it. Yeah. I can't. So, so, so we should yeah. say what it is. Well, uh, wait, maybe we oh. should wait for a little while longer. <laughs> what else can we talk about in the meantime? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll come, we'll come back to that. <laughs> no, no, go ahead. Say, say what the instrument is for Pete's sake. It's the yeah. saxophone. Yeah. Saxophone. <laughs> That's exactly the note I have in my head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, played by Jason Fries, the uh, uh, who, he played with Green Day like around the American idiot, you know, on the albums and and touring. I I think he's on, he's, he played with Green Day for a number of years. He's the brother of drummer Josh Freeze, who drummed with everyone. He, he's played with everyone, including Weezer on some of the Ratitude tracks and the, uh, yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of cringe tracks, like, uh, I'm your daddy and the girl got hot. He, he drummed on both of those. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The, that era, um, (laughs) And he was the he was a live drummer for a couple of years when Pat played guitar when Rivers was focusing on singing. Um, yeah, the the, the Freeses are there's mad session players just been on their names all over music for the last 20, 25 years. Um, but yeah, I I think the sax 
is doubled by a guitar solo. I think that it's like a dual mm-hmm. thing going on because when the when this album first leaked, no one had any idea there was a sax on it until it came out in the credit was in the liner notes like what wait saxophone you can you can hear it um but it's you you'd almost miss it if you didn't know it was in there yeah i definitely missed it and that's what i assumed was that it was doubling the guitar in some points but yeah also i've i don't think i've ever admitted this on the podcast before but i have stupid ears like i have a hard time hearing certain things sometimes so i thought i might have chalked it up to that but you guys are uh you know, making me feel a little better. Maybe my maybe my ears aren't as stupid as I thought. Not in this case, at least. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, well, and then there, then there's the other instrument that has been kind of had come in for this album, and and uh, you know, I I definitely loved it. I think on the last song or two, maybe now, um, roughly, but um, uh, piano. I mean, or or any keyboard, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah, there's a cool piano yeah. in there. So apparently, that's Brian Bell, and but. Uh, but yeah, and, and that that one I even I, I didn't really go back to try and listen for that. I mean, but I was also kind of <laughs> in the in the. Well, this will, this will make Martin feel better. I noticed the piano today for the yeah, first wow. time ever. Like I was listening to the opening, and I could hear it kind of building up in there. And I was like, "Wait, that's a piano." I looked at the credits. Wow. Yeah, Brian Bell on piano and rhythm guitar. So, so uh, yeah, that was a, new to me. Just trying to listen really. Uh, meticulously (laughs) yeah well parallel experiences i heard it for the first time today too but i had to listen i was i was like uh tubing you know youtube and i listened to uh like a different uh a different mix Um, yeah yeah and then i heard the the piano for the first time and i was like wow that piano is really cool and then like even in the mix that i heard which was uh one that was the middle channel taken out It was like still like pretty buried underneath the electric guitar, which uh, kind of seemed to overpower. And I think that's the case in the album track as well. Like the the guitar uh, kind of overshadows those other instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they're definitely a, traditionally a very guitar driven band. There was a, I guess there's a little piano on the Blue Album on Undone. They're doing some real avant-garde stuff at the very end of that song and at the beginning of across the sea there's some piano but um i don't think that it had made any appearances uh since then yeah, on mm-hmm. their yeah i was trying until- i was trying to remember undone like a couple episodes ago where they do like they play the strings in the piano in the like the outro right yeah yeah, yeah. it's actually really for like a, a pop hit yeah. song if you were to just tune it in at that point it's like really experimental sounding <laughs> yeah i really like that part but anyway yeah it's great. yeah as long as we're talking about the music i just wanted to talk about the hand claps because that yeah. that's the hand claps really <laughs> tie the whole thing together that's like i already like mm-hmm. the song and then there's like this cherry on top and it's yeah. like the the little hand claps in there. I'm a chumpazoid also for hand claps under any circumstances. <laughs> like if, I don't know, if I'm walking down the street and somebody is just like, <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, hey, hey good, good for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, the, yeah. Me. The clapping was definitely something I, I that was the one kind of instrument, so to speak, <laughs> that I was noticing. It, it, it does. I mean, it does. Give, it is given that uh, little boost in the mix. I think 
compared yeah, to. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's hot as and, fuck. Yeah, it sounds good. And, and then, so I even watched the, uh, through the Weezerpedia page for it, the, the, the live version that's there. It says uh, Bowery, um, even. And, yeah, uh, I saw that one too. Yeah, so so there's so there's the specific. Uh, is it's not all the hand claps, but there's just the two that uh, appear. Um, you know, they're, they're in quick succession, in roughly roughly the middle, a little bit towards the end, maybe. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I have many yeah. doubts about my motives. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool, it's great. and it's yeah. It I thought that video was fun too because the audience seems hyped on the hand claps. And as a hand, hand clap groupie, I'm I'm in that. You know, I get it. <laughs> yeah, the song hasn't. They they didn't play this one very often right. live. Like I think once on the Make Believe tour, and then they they revived it in 2014 for a handful of shows. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. I don't and, think and, you are. Yeah, and that one on the one on the Wikipedia page too, the live one is in its, its acoustic one as well, and it, you know it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, I'm sure like like the demo, you know, was was just acoustic as well, and uh, and you know, I mean, that's that's the main part of it. There are the overlays of some electric guitar riff riffing and solo, of course, like we've already talked a little bit about. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, it's yeah, there's actually yeah, it comes in it comes in well um, after that little nice little intro. That is that is uh, it's got a lot of reverb on it there at the intro, especially. But th- it comes in and out at other times too. Yeah, the the uh, guitar in the intro, yeah, it has it sounds like it's got some effects yeah. on it, which is also interesting to me because they were very notoriously not really in the first couple yeah. albums mm-hmm. weren't really using any effects. They're very much guitar to amp kind of band yeah stuff stuff that's that's pretty clean but at times just just put some fuzz on it just some extra distortion you know of course Mm -hmm. but generally also pretty clean sounding yeah um is is there a whole lot else do we want to you know i mean you know i I mean we're almost you almost mentioned something martin if 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 it's time to go into some uh channel differences i think it is Left channel, right channel, report. Go. Left channel, right channel, left channel, right channel, left channel, right channel. What's it gonna be? Eric Nash has some information for ye. I mean, there there wasn't much I could find. I mean, I just, I mean, it was, it, it's just ever so slight if there's anything there that I could hear. If if you, mm-hmm. either of you have anything yeah. further, I mean, like you, you you did say something about the middle channel. No, I tried to listen to it too, and that was yeah. yeah I listened to one that had the middle channel cut out, so yeah. I was like taking my you know right headphone and left headphone off and trying to uh, discern the differences. Yeah. And yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't hear anything. Yeah, it's just like it's I, just so weird lately here. At least in the latter half of again, latter half of make believe, it feels like I, I, I felt like there was some some more earlier in, in this album but uh and there was always it seemed like every every damn near every song on every album for quite a while was having some very straight down the middle well they they they, they used to be you know uh some more differences some some uh some stuff you could hear more easily at least this has been the left channel right channel report with eric nash 
I was hoping that there was like a triangle hitting in uh, one side that you found or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> something really subtle. Oh, that's really fun. Yeah, I wish. That would be super cool. I wonder how many albums actually have something like that. It's probably like it's a kind of like a cute idea. I'm sure people have done it before. I'm going to start doing it. Yeah. <laughs> one triangle hit in every song in the left channel. <laughs> it's like a where's waldo <laughs> oh it's fun audio where's waldo exactly yeah anyhow this has been the left channel right channel report thank you all right now what <laughs> uh, you want to talk uh, about covers there is a song and that's a fact now tell me who has covered There, there was nothing official, nothing I could find through my normal official, uh, but I did find one, and besides, you know, three or four probably, you know, guys in there, guys with mainly acoustics in their living rooms. Yeah, as always. So there's a, <laughs> a band called Bro Namath. So a little, little take on <laughs> Joe, the football player. Uh, and, and the weirdest thing, I mean, I thought, you know, the, the vocals were very, very low in the mix, eh, you know, but... But um, the weird thing in this video, so so it wasn't like any kind of like uh, you know uh, uh, camera you know video camera footage that was in this uh, YouTube video, but there were just some still pictures and and at the beginning for some reason one of the there, there there's some just some pe- you know people's faces uh, uh, photos that were you know plopped in and and for some reason one of the people's were, that were there was um, Pat Smear. From, from oh, really? Nirvana and Foo Fighters. Yeah. And the Germans. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, yeah, way back, yeah. <laughs> so, so I don't know why this band called Bro Namath would <laughs> just throw his face up. And, and maybe that maybe the other person right alongside him was, was also someone that maybe maybe some old punk punker. Or, yeah, or maybe yeah. they're just big Pat Smear fans. Yeah. I'm a decent Pat, Pat Smear fan. I have one album of him solo. <laughs> Yeah, maybe the other yeah. person is Darby Crash yeah. from the Germs. Yeah. Um, and I did listen to uh, uh, in in full uh, the Weezer cover project this time, and I really really dug that one. I mean, it, it, and, and there were even comments in that one because you know they 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 apparently don't do it all the time, or at least the one guy or multiple people whoever do, whoever does this uh, did this. Um, they they replicated you know with with a, you know uh, uh, picking on a guitar string uh, the the vocal melody. Um, and, and, and there was some, some people in the comments that were really digging that. And I, I, I dug it too. Um, uh, apparently they, yeah. they don't, they don't, there, there's other people though, that apparently come in and say for some of the other songs, <laughs> say when, 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 the guy does it or when the, when the, when the, when this, uh, project does it, uh, they say, please don't do that. Uh, we, we, we just want to sing along and that, that, that doesn't, it doesn't work well when we try to sing along. It's like, well, okay, don't don't you know this isn't a karaoke project this is a cover project so <laughs> we talked about covers we talked about covers we talked about covers sometimes for me when uh, i hear a song that i'm very familiar with yeah. instrumentally it helps me more appreciate what yeah. i like about it uh, removing that vocal lyrical element um mm-hmm. 
I mean, a lot of jazz covers mm-hmm. yep. do that. Yeah, uh, Brad Meldow trio. trio. I'm sorry, are, what's are you, that? You're familiar with the Brad Meldow trio? Meldow? Meldow trio? I don't no? think I am. Oh, okay, no. wow. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a very jazzy group, but they and he does uh, Radiohead stuff, at least, a fair amount. Mm. Nice. I remember the Bad Plus, they were a group okay. that did stuff like yeah. that. Wow. Um, yeah, and, I don't have no idea. Yeah. Um, and then uh, there's the good old uh, Rocksmith uh, report. We're gonna find out. Nothing, nothing there for this song. <laughs> and now at last we know if this song's on Rocksmith. That's not a huge <laughs> surprise. It seems yeah. to have been the theme for the Rocksmith for most of Make Believe. Yep. And who can blame him, you know? Yeah. Rock, Rocksmith can't have everything, unfortunately. Sadly for us. <laughs> All right. Cool. Rocksmith yep. out of the way. Let's push that aside. Out of the other way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, should we do our ratings? Are we ready? Wait, yeah. wait, wait. Have yep. we talked about everything that we wanted to talk about? Yeah. Just, this is the last chance, Peter. With, do you have yeah. anything more to say? I think we've covered everything I came to say about this cool. song. I think so, too. It feels it feels thoroughly covered. Rah, 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 rainy. Uh, so, uh, Martin, uh, would you like to start us off with your rating yes, of sir. the other way? Um, I'm going to rate this an eight. I think yeah. it's, a, it's a very good song. Um, yeah, not my favorite on the album, but like very, a very solid song. Uh, yeah, I think I said, yeah, I said why I love the hand claps. Maybe I should give it an 8.5 just for those hand claps. You know what? I'm, I'm, I'm bumping it up. I'm bumping it up right now. 8.5. All right. Uh, how about you, Eric? Let's hear, let's hear your rating. Yeah. Um, so I would give it an 8.5, but because of the stickiness of the situation and so forth, I'll take it down to an 8.25. <laughs> Fair. Reasonable. A reasonable yeah. rating. But it, yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's definitely on the high end for the album for me. It's like, you know, as we're going along here, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's just got that nice, uh, you know, Great, great vibe. There, there's, yeah. there's an interesting groove there that 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 you don't usually hear. I don't think in too many <laughs> rough, roughly modern songs. I mean, this is what this is. You know, 16 years old now, roughly, right? Yeah, hey, I'd consider that modern. <laughs> That's close enough. To, yeah. So, you know. um, Peter, what yeah. what shall you rate on, on a scale of zero? <sighs> I think to ten. Coming in, I was thinking I was going to go with an eight. Um, but thinking of it in the context, uh, in the, that would probably be in the context of Weezer's canon. I would, I would go with an eight. But if I think of it, I'm, I'm going to think of it in the context of make believe. I'm going to go with a nine. Oh, cool. I'm, I'm bumping it up. I think if if the song suffers from 
anything. I feel like it gets a little repetitive towards the end. Um, and I, and it's a very, as Rivers is very good at doing, it's very anthemic. <laughs> that's that's one of his strong suits is writing you know very bombastic things but it it almost feels like it goes on slightly too long for me <laughs> and also yeah i don't know the stickiness of the subject matter it's it, i don't know entirely know how i feel about it um once again he's a warts and all kind of writer so he he, he puts a lot of his feelings out there. Uh, I hope he didn't send it to her as a message. Because <laughs> um, it's probably what, not what she needed to hear. But um, overall, yeah, I think it's a wonderful song. And one of the highlights of uh, Make Believe for me, which was the album that kind of made me check out on Weezer for a, a number of years until the, the mid 2010s, really, mm. when I, I feel like they started putting out some of their strongest work since the 90s um, at that point. And I've, I've been, I've been going back and checking more stuff out uh, that I missed. Mm -hmm. I still haven't really given Ratitude a lot of time. Uh, that that one's very cringy. <laughs> the little the little I've I've delved into it. But I I digress. Yeah, yeah nine. Yeah, that's great. There is no right. There is no wrong. It's just how we feel about a song. And when we feel like we feel. So Peter, uh, please uh, mention again and give give some socials out for for your projects. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, podcast I mentioned at the top is I'd buy that for a dollar, where we talk about we get enthusiastic about inexpensive, common and underappreciated records that are waiting to be rediscovered. Um, you know, typically we're we're covering. Uh, stuff from the 1950s through the late 1980s because that's kind of what the majority of, of LPs that you can find for a bargain are, are going to be from that era. You know, we recently did an episode on Ravel's Bolero, so we've even covered classical music. We do a lot of funk and soul, psychedelia. Um, it can go all over the place. So you can, we have a website, ibuythatpodcast.com, although you should be able to find it just about anywhere you get podcasts. I did have a recommendation on, on uh, that I wanted to mention related to this podcast. Um, another, another, another Weezer related uh, podcast, uh, Broken Record. Have you heard oh, that podcast? No. I think so. uh, it's Rick Rubin. And Malcolm Gladwell oh, do wow. that. You know, Rick Rubin being the producer of this album and the song that we're talking about today. Yeah. Um, he recently interviewed Rivers. It, it was around the time that uh, OK Human came out. And I know that um, a few episodes back on the damage in your heart, uh, it was the whole Rivers is Kurt Cobain conspiracy theory came up mm -hmm. recently. Uh, so Rick Rubin interviewed Rivers, as if this conspiracy was true, and River, Rivers complied. And I Confirmed. thought that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's you. You heard this, Martin? <laughs> no, I'm just saying it's or, uh, this. I mean, yeah, it's confirmed now. Obviously. Oh, that it's yeah. <laughs> I'm saying yeah, yeah. yeah Rick, 
Yes, Rivers Rivers confirmed that it's true. He went he totally went along with it. And it's I thought it could have gone bad, but it was handled in a really really uh respectable manner. Oh, well Respect. that sounds really fun. Yeah, I'm definitely going to look that one up. Yeah. Yeah, I I just I just added it right now to my playlist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, check that out. Um but otherwise, yeah. Um I I love music and Weezer was a huge part of my teenage years and uh, you know is thankfully is now a part of my adult life too and and you guys i love what you guys do here so thanks for having me on that's very nice yeah yeah that's yeah you had a lot of great insight uh loved having you on uh now uh so martin are you able to uh give us a little rundown of what you want to anything you want to talk about anything you want to plug yeah you can just um if you like the theme song of this podcast yeah. or any of the little uh, uh, themes for the segments that you heard earlier, uh, check out my music. Uh, my name is Martin David Tapia, and you can listen to me at bandcamp.com slash Martin David Tapia. All right, that's great. And uh, as I mentioned at the top, I think uh, Almost Famous Minute is my other show. We're both both that. And this show is on Pantheon uh, Podcast Network at pantheonpodcast.com. You can find a whole bunch more, dozens of other uh, music-related shows, mostly rock, some other genres here and there uh, mixed in, um, some, some about other specific bands like uh, or, or, or musicians, what have you, uh, Bob Dylan and Neil Young. And, um, and there's... Uh, stuff about uh you know uh, uh the music industry and so forth yeah so uh find those find find these two shows there and also my previous show was watchmen minute that's, that's done and completed with the uh the uh, 2009 uh, Zack snyder uh, director's cut and uh even we even follow that up with the uh hbo episode of episode uh look at look at those uh nine episodes um, and I mentioned one more thing yeah, before sure. we, before we get out of here, I would be remiss if I didn't mention this because a lot of the knowledge that I have on Weezer comes from another former bandmate of mine. Uh, his name's Wallace Lucas, and we were in a group uh, now about six seven years ago called Boring People uh, that was very inspired by Weezer, and he's. He always keeps me up to date on all the details of what's going on with Weezer. You know, as soon as a new trap, a new track Mm -hmm. drops or or anything like that. Um, So you can check that out. Boringpeople.bandcamp.com. Great. Yeah, cool. It's a, I can, uh, we here at the Feels Like Weezer podcast can really relate to that band name. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, going right along with that uh, kind of theme. Yeah, we don't have a we don't do outros well. We're boring, you might say, or maybe we just get a little madcap at the end, what have you. But uh, otherwise, yeah, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thanks so much, Peter. Bye. <laughs>